1: for 20% off your first system. And welcome to the AEW Dynamite review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hanflo and Michael Sidwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Dynamite but also AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, 2. Oh, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they joined by Hampton and Sidgwick to review Dynamite, the day after National Cowboy Shiz Day. And what a show this was, Sig.
2: It was an incredible show, even when I didn't necessarily want it to be an incredible show. And I also think it was an important show mm. because if you recall, after Double or Nothing, they were immediately shunted to Fridays. And they, oh, kind, of, yeah. and they kind of took a month off when it was like Dustin Rhodes versus Nick Camarotto on a Dynamite main <laughs> event. Um, because Exploding, they kn- <laughs> wouldn't you? Because <laughs> they knew they were going to get absolutely demolished in the ratings, and they decided, right, we're not going to get any numbers on Fridays. We're resuming live touring, so let's just save loads that we've got planned for a big relaunch, effectively. After All Out, they did the Cincinnati homecoming and the Suzuki incident, mm. And I personally really enjoyed watching John Moxley celebrate for five minutes, but you can tell they buggered the timings up of all people. Moxley needed that moment and deserved it. But that wasn't a particularly good um, follow-up to the momentum generated um, by all out. But this very much was, yeah, this is very much get interested in these incredibly phenomenal prospects of medium and medium (laughs) uh, long-term directions. Also, he has a, Babyface being mint. Your yeah. hero being mint. And here is an incredibly potent
1: challenge. It's, it's a weird one to, to to talk about this, and we'll talk about it properly in a second, pamphlet. But you know how I like my bullet points, and they're often quite hyperbolic to attract people to the number one wrestling podcast in the UK. I mean, why try <laughs> harder, but still. Because um, <laughs> I've head titled this, you know, Brian Danielson Turns Heel. He hasn't really turned heel. He's always been a bit of an arse, really. And mm-hmm. we'll talk about that in due course. But to just to come off what Sid said there, a hell of a springboard following the pay-per-view. They, they, you know, enjoyed what has gone down, but they haven't wasted any time into into moving forward.
0: Yeah, I would personally classify this as a good show with great developments mm. rather than a great show. I didn't feel like I was watching a classic Dynamite. Um, but it is a show, and we've there's, like, loads of evidence to bear this out now at this point as well. You cannot have the highs that AWU occasionally delivers, you With I wouldn't even consider them lows, just those like more level headed weeks, those periods where it's you know, it's I wouldn't even say this was a setup show or a transitional show or any of those terms that are kind of there's a like a little bit of criticism peppered within that. I really enjoyed the bulk of the developments that came from this without other than one glaring, incredible exception, like hitting the roof with excitement. Mm. And even then, it still had one. And for a two-hour wrestling show, you go weeks and weeks and weeks sometimes on the other side, not getting any. So this still had one, but just a series of fantastic little developments. And a great, that's a great two for now between Full Gear and this Dynamite. They have really like gone full throttle on Four Pillars stuff being very overt. Mm. It was a, a big night for all, what's <coughs> increasingly feel like sort of like a podium race. And like I'm looking forward into drilling at the details of how all four got on and it's become now, it's more than just the canon that MJF described in a promo. It's something you feel like you, know, you can analyze every single week. Mm. Who's gone in front this week? Who's fallen behind? Like, mapping all of that has suddenly become more exciting. So maybe that's like something laterally that I, you want to kind of credit Full Gear for that maybe I wasn't as kind to initially.
1: Yeah, I thought uh, a show with with great developments uh, in terms of storylines, medium to long term, as you said, Sige. And, is a tease for later on, one of the worst lines in Dynamite history, but we will get to that. Uh, we start...
2: That's uh, a bullet point. <laughs> before,
1: uh, before we get to the, the big cha- championship celebration hangman page, uh, there's, a, there's a, a pre-recorded video uh, for the Super Elite, and uh, Kenny Omega says he hasn't watched the Full Gear match back yet. He really should, um, uh, but people are already asking when the rematch will be. He's pissed off the Elite, all of them lost at Full Gear. He's disgusted, in fact, um, but not a hangman. Um, he congratulates him. He says, look, there's things I need to take care of. Um, and he says, hold, hold down the fort whilst I'm gone. And Adam Cole goes, don't worry, I will. And he goes, oh, I was, I was talking to the young bucks. And it awkwardly sort of concludes. Perfect.
2: Indeed. You might even call it deft. Ooh. His congratulations of Hangman page basically set up that he's more likely than not returning as a baby face. Did call him Hanger again. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I suppose. Um, But then again, it's very fascinating because I think if they try and do heel cool versus babyface Omega, they'll get a 50-50 reaction. But then maybe how much people will miss Omega Mm -hmm. will inform an actual fully-fledged babyface turn. But yeah, the idea that he didn't watch the match back, they did that for a reason. So he doesn't know that the Young Bucks aren't quite as behind him as he thought they were before the actual pay-per-view or before Hangman Page said that to him. The little dissension tease with him and Adam Cole. I also liked what I interpreted as maybe a little reach to the young book saying, he didn't specify that I lost. Are we all lost. Like, we're all the same. We're all in the same position here. Don't, like, compromise what I'm doing as the de facto leader of the stable. I very much read into that. They could do a million things. And nothing that we project that they'll do
1: will be as good, I don't think. Yeah, uh, you're right. I think he is going to probably eventually return as a babyface, as he should. Um, But there's also the potential there of him effectively implying, I don't know whether either of you got this, of like, well, you know, when it was just us three, we all were winners and we all held the belts. And then... I don't know, something's changed. Yeah. And now suddenly all of us have lost.
0: It made, and I, I kind of didn't think about this, and maybe I should have done, it made great use of the Superclicks loss to Christian and Jurassic Express as well. Like Kenny Omega can say a bad night for the elite, and that wouldn't carry half the weight if they'd have won that match, which we all kind of predicted they would. Mm. I am not always, um, because sometimes it's really hard to measure and you get them wrong. When the deep cuts hit, my God, they hit. Cleaner I got this on TNT... Which for those that don't know is like an all-time bit of wrestling Twitter patter where Kenny Omega, as usual, was getting pelters for something or other. And one of his super fans claim on saying, Don't worry, cleaner, I got this. <laughs> for that line to make it on its head. It's like AW is great for that because some of them don't land. Some of them belonged on being the elite. That would genuinely be one that I would have been saying, should have put that on Dynamite. I didn't know I wanted
2: that until I heard it. And it was Adam Cole saying it. Just lovely. I hope the Omega Mega fan realizes that. It's affectionate. It is, it is. Because yeah. other, otherwise, they've just punched down. <laughs>
0: <and> <laughs> punched down at one of his stands. It's very loving. It is very loving. And yeah, the angle's great. The cool stuff later on, um, I know we rarely do this on Dynamite, but I wonder if we can have a bit of that now. Because when uh, Bobby Fish debuted and then you had that backstage bit with, uh, hey, bucks you know this guy? We know that guy. Like, a lot of people, and I understand why they did it, but I was just like, I don't feel this at all. Did the side-by-sides, didn't they? It was like, Undisputed Era versus The Elite. And I was like, Nah, man like Cole's going to take the books off. But then this idea that Bobby Fish doesn't realize that he's changed wrestling promotions, and he was like, and that is earned it. Whoa! <laughs> like, that has, for the first time, shone a light on that situation. Kenny Omega still loves and trusts the young books, and he hasn't seen Matt Jackson's nod and all that sort of stuff. Kyle O'Reilly's coming in, <laughs> and if he's not, pray for him. Like, all of a sudden, yes, I have visualized it, and it's another... It's just the spider web, isn't it? Mm. You just It goes, it like, you initially start with one feud, and then it goes outwards and outwards and outwards and outwards, and they could go in so many different directions. That's discounting Rushmore that could indeed exist before Kenny Omega even returns to television. Like, the narrative avenues are just mm. luxurious. They've afforded themselves so many ways they can go. Because I don't even think, like, I believe Adam Cole's love for Bobby Fish, I, I would just as easily take that he's going to use and abuse him yeah. as a bit of a hitman and then kick him at the curb. But yet, they could do. This could end up as a three-on-three. Like, where do the Young Bucks sit? This is, it's, I guess, like the elite saga never ends. But I do love definitively that the Hangman page bit is over and we have moved into a a new period for it. Really, really great and captivating stuff without having to give almost anything away, really.
1: Uh, Speaking of which, the show then officially started with a promo train. (laughs) Shut (laughs) up, man, you arsehole. I'm joking, of course. Uh, is national. It was a
2: promo horse and carriage. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, that's kind of become my catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, you asshole!
1: Sorry. Get on a sign when someone's banging on too long. Probably on run raw more. I was going to say,
0: like, it's nice when people say, "Oh, I'm going to AEW and I made these signs. We love them. This is a bag. I don't care. Keep doing them because nothing feeds my ego quite like the signs." If anybody listens to this, that actually goes to a WWE show, shut up, you arsehole. Getting <laughs> held up for a rock. And like people, somebody sees that line and be like, yeah, we're sick of the promos too. And us three are like, nah, listen to the podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was sat there thinking. British be-
0: spelling, please. Yeah, yeah. oh, it's got to be arsehole,
1: yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, who on earth could it Seth Rollins? Yes, definitely. It was going <laughs> to be held out for. Anyway, yesterday was, of course, National Cowboy Shiz Day. Uh, Dark Order in the ring, John Silver says the thing and introduces the new world champion. Uh, Hangman Page walks out. Uh, he unzips his jacket, the belt's there. He's got uh, the incredible crowd reaction, the crowd are chanting, uh, you deserve it. And Page gets on the mic and says, well, no, I earned it. And then they oblige with that chant, of course. Uh, he says he's usually pretty shy, but now he's the world champion. So he's going to do what he wants and celebrate National Cowboy Shiz Day with everyone. He talks about the World Championship, meaning a lot of responsibility. And his first responsibility, of course, is taking on Brian Danielson. This, of course, brings out Brian Danielson, who comes out to a, a sort of mixed reaction. It was, it's obviously, hey, hey it's Brian Danielson, but uh, don't ruin this moment for him. And he, he walked that tightrope perfectly for me. He comes out, he says, I just came out to say one thing. Congratulations, Hangman Page. He is a little surprised. It's just so, so right. Okay. There's the nice stuff. And now here comes the reality. I am a little surprised and a bit disappointed. It's not Kenny Omega standing across from me. Um, And Paige responds by saying, well, that's because I beat Omega at full gear in under 30 minutes as well. Uh, Danielson says, hey, hey. Everyone was thinking, is the match too short? No, it isn't. Uh, Danielson says, hey, I, I, I didn't come out to start any beef. I don't want any of that. Obviously not. But um, uh, he says, <laughs> to, be, to be fair, <laughs> <you> <laughs> also, uh, he's not wrestling someone who's going to dress as a Ghostbuster for Halloween. He's come to kick some ass. Um, but apparently Cowboy shiz doesn't involve wrestling. He's here to wrestle. When he won the world title at WrestleMania, instant booze, Huge pap. Uh, <laughs> he came out and wrestled the very next day. And then, like I said, with the booze, he responds by saying, of course, Virginia booze hard work. He repeated the next day over the booze as well. The next day! <laughs> uh, he says, Paige says, all right, well, you know, you're talking a good game. All right, why don't we have a fight right now? And Danielson says, oh, do you want us to fight right now? And there's yes chance and whatever. Daniel says, no, we're not going to do that because look at you. You're out here. You're in your cowboy boots and your jeans and horrible leather jackets. <laughs> uh, he says, I don't want you using not being ready as an excuse when I beat you. And Paige says, all right. I'll have it your way. We won't have the match tonight. Um, he says, despite the fact that Virginia is for lovers, he's got that on his t-shirt. He's still happy to fight, and they go forehead to forehead. It's already building to a match weeks down the line, of course. Uh, and they have to be separated by the Dark Order. Danielson says, "Oh yeah, get all your little mates to stop <laughs> me and ho- pretend to hold you hold you back, but you don't really want to fight." Uh, we all know that I'd kick your ass. Um, they just want to, don't want to let you know that. And Paige breaks free and they, they get into a bit of a rough and tumble before Danielson slides out of the ring. Uh, and when we come back, he is going to be facing Evil Luna. We'll talk about that in a sec. But, Sige, I, I write about this as a as a heel turn. Like I said earlier, he's kind of been this arsehole to, oh, the whole time, but it's just the perfect dynamic with, with Paige. What did you make of this promo?
2: It's absolutely incredible because it wasn't some storyline direction that spun from out of nowhere to um, better suit the direction he's in right now. Because from day one, the first thing he did was just decide, yeah, yeah, ranking system. Daniel Bryan. I'm Bryan Danielson. I don't really need the ranking system. Everyone knows how great I am. I know how great I am, and I know what I want, and I want that AEW world title. It's been his quest since day friggin' one in this company. Yes, in the build to the Omega match... He saved Jurassic Express at All Out, and he aligned with them to build the match. But realistically, he's only ever wanted that title, and that is no different, and it doesn't matter who actually holds it at the same time. The best thing is, because Brian Danielson has this specific motivation, he's not going to suddenly, or at least I hope, and I don't expect he will suddenly... <gasps> Align with various people, like who knows, like Garcia in 2.0. And they can beat down Page and have their Dark Order come out and make the save. I don't think any of this is going to happen. He's just a guy who's incredibly certain to almost an obnoxious extent of how unbelievably great he is. He doesn't cheat. He's never cheated once. I don't think he'll continue to cheat. He is simply getting over as the best wrestler on the planet who's also kind of a prick. And the WrestleMania line was great. I'm not actually convinced he was allowed to say it, but it's Danielson. If they come after Danielson for saying that, after he's basically licked the boot on the way out in his Players' Tribune article, then yeah. they are the worst. I don't think they will. Um, that was a great little line. I love the idea of Danielson like conflating doing more dates with harder work than what... Um, pages done mm-hmm. to get to this state of mind to become champion because it was not insensitive but there was just enough of a subtext there to undermine what we've all physically connected. better than mental that yes the whole point yeah. that switched it for the first time ever isn't yeah. it yeah. Like, yeah. so it, it didn't it wasn't insensitive oh, boo! Adam Page. nothing like that no. it was just a nice little detail to undermine it just tacitly and the physicality in the pull apart was great um, this is absolute grade A promo train stuff which should be an oxymoron, but guess who's involved in it? Page and Danielson, so it isn't. I just this blissful. Absolutely blissful.
0: I loved watching this, and then I loved, after the fact, imagining the construction of it. Um, we had often used uh, Steve Austin as the guide to, when we're analysing WWE and say, like, would well, Steve Austin have allowed that? And the answer is always no. He would have never sanctioned the things that wrestlers get asked to do now. And you watch this promo back, and you pretty much covered all of the key beats. When and where... Everybody said everything was so crucial to this working. So Daniel Bryan comes out, uh, Brian Danielson comes out and says, congratulations. And then he says, I kind of wanted Kenny Omega, right? Because he said that, Hangman Page can say, well, I beat Kenny Omega, and Hangman Page isn't the dick. He's firing back. He's not fired first. Then Bryan can say, I didn't come out here to start a beef. And it's like, well, if you didn't, why did you have to put in that little dig? You see, like, it's so important the way that's ordered. And you can sort of imagine... Uh, Brian Dennison, Highland Page and Tony Khan or whoever was in charge of the segment sitting together and making absolute certain that everything can be defended and everything is so tight. He did, Brian did the typical WWE, but not tonight. Mm. And how did he do that? He said, because I'm dressed to wrestle and you're not.
1: Yeah, he's not backing out because of...
0: I don't think I've ever seen that done. He did the cowardly thing and then came up with a rational reason that made him in that moment not seem like a coward. Incredible. Um, and I just, I thought like, and then that very last case of like, the, you've got the pull apart and if there's any sort of, any doubt left in the um, the confidence now of Hangman Page as champion, they give you the, his mates aren't even holding him back and he proves that that is the case and he bursts out from them and he attacks him. I just cannot praise those specific details and the ordering of that because one wrong move and you leave a window open to criticise and say, well, I, mind, like, I know Page is confident now, but he didn't need to be an arsehole as well. He wasn't, he was kind of like prodded into that. And again, Danielson's heel turn as a result, and he wrestles, he's, he's a genius pro wrestler, so he knows how immediately how to flick a switch and become a heel in the match. But He'll just shake Hangman Page's hand at the end of it, and that'll be done. Mm-hmm. As Daniel Bryan, and I think we're going to talk about this for years to come, that WWE run is one day, we're going to go into detail about that, that was underrated. As Daniel Bryan, he made the snap heel turn against AJ Styles convincing. Remember how his face just changed. Oh. I'm going to take the low blow. Sod it. I'm going to win the title. He made that work. This was more artistically pleasing than that. It's just a testament to how great uh, Bryan is. As uh, says, this is not a let's invent a rivalry in 60 seconds. He's very, very quietly informed this. But when it was time to just, like, go up to top gear on it, he just nailed it straight away. It, it, like... Any company is blessed to have him, and the biggest one in the world was stupid not to realize that.
2: One more thing before we go on. What I loved about this promo and the delivery of the line, kind of shocked and disappointed that it isn't Kenny Omega, that ties directly back to him saying to Omega, ahead of the Grand Slam match, this isn't about the title now, but one day it will be. In his head he's thinking, I'm going to go for that title at some point. Mm. So when he says last night, shocked. It's because he thought all along that he was going to wrestle Kenny Omega
1: for that title. I love this so much, I forgot about the Evil Uno match. (laughs) As in, it happened, and I think it went to break, didn't it, as the the pull-apart happened. And I thought... That's all great and all good and all that, but what are they going to come back to? Just they've all awkwardly walked to the back. Oh no! Of course, it's Danielson versus evil Luno, uh, and Uno uh, gave a great account of himself. He, he actually uh, was was uh, leading the match early on. So Brian Danielson just slapped him, just slapped him as hard as he could across the face. He saw that you saw that quite a lot: uh, kicks, chops, etc. Uh, Brian very insistent he has until five. Always love it when they say that. Um, so Danielson starts dominating off the back of all that. Uno fires up, attacks him in the corner, hits a hur- hurricane running, hits a hanging neck breaker, gets a two count off that. And then Danielson, again, just fires up, slaps him, chops him. He's mouthing off at him the whole time this is going on. Corner drop kicks. Uh, Uno cuts him off, though, as he goes for a third one, hits a, or goes for a, a senton atomico, uh, to which Danielson gets the knees up. He hits the, how do I say it? I can never remember. Psycho Busaiku. Busaiku. I will, I will try. I just, I'm very terrified of butchering the 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 way of pronouncing try. that. Yes, uh, he hits the knee, uh, the running knee, and you think, oh, cool. Well, that's the match finished. Pin him. Nope, he's an obhead. Uh, he takes him. He stomps on his, his, effectively unconscious head, and then puts him in a triangle choke. Needlessly, <laughs> the referee stops it. Uh, Post match, Tony Shavoni gets on the mic and says, "Sir, a... Bit of a Mixed reaction to to that near murder that we've just witnessed. And he says, look, I came out here to congratulate this guy. But because of how much of his his behavior, I've had to kick Uno's head in. And you know what? I'm going to do it to every member of the Dark Order. uh, Next week, they're in Chicago. uh, And he's going to do it to Colt Cabana.
0: Yes, yes, please. We predicted that he might run the table with the Dark Order. And that would be the way to turn him. Rather than to uh, rather than just outwardly do it on night one and then have him do it as a heel, we thought, it's a bit of a horrible thing to do, isn't it? It's beat up all your friends on route to beating you up. Um, so they're going to do it this way instead. This. Laurie
1: match. pointed out that it's a really nice uh, sequence of, of... Geographical events. Yeah, of, of members yeah, of the Dark Order and... Like, they're in Silver's hometown in a couple of weeks. It was a Reddit thread. I ah, know, okay. You know how
2: loath to put these guys <laughs> over. But unfortunately, it was on Reddit. <laughs> it's nice, though. There's about 10 good posters on there. Yeah. In addition to all those who overlap with my Twitter followers. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: no, I, this match was tremendous. Um,
0: I want to give a special shout-out to Ivaluno here because, of course, this was very much a Brian Danielson evening and he knew that he had to just kind of play a role in that. But... The man wears an all-over face mask, right? It's not a Rey Mysterio thing where you can emote a lot behind it. The way he used his head and neck on those slaps to elicit sympathy off the back of them and positioned his body, quite honestly, like you do in an Iconics pose, to get, <laughs> to get that sort of that chop feeling that you would get from a, a chop fest or a Walter match or something like that. Fantastic. Like, w- I think Eva Uno's had a good week because a lot of souls came out against him and then even more cool people came out and said, "Now nah, Eva Luno's class. Yeah. And I hope he's taken that for what it is, which is that, like, the, the discerning wrestling fan respects him a great deal. And then he's had a match that has hopefully proved a few doubters wrong as well. Really, really tremendous. But yeah, like, Brian Anderson's an artist. If this is an art form, he's an artist. Um, Right down to the fact that, like, again, trying to defend himself. All I came out to do was congratulate him. Like you've got black on your trunks instead of white. Now you were choosing violence in the very beginning and now you've got to enact some of it on your next champ, like the champion's best mate. Like next week, it's going to be a tight black t-shirt. The yeah. white t-shirt is going in favor of a tight black one in Chicago. And um, you were
1: studying gorilla, and the moment he said Brian Danielson, you went, right, that's my cue. I, I, I hit my music. I've, I've
0: waited long enough, for this bloody party <laughs> and it had only gone on two, three minutes, yeah. you know, um, so tight, just so like, so pleasing as a thing to watch, but there's not a single gap. There's not any plot holes. This is just so organically engineered and it's because, like, WWE, like, maybe the best wrestler in the whole world go to the opposition. It, it's it's happened and this is the consequence of it.
2: December 18, 2019, you get told that in under two years, Evil Uno is going to have a wrestling match yes. on AEW God. television with Daniel Bryan and the crowd are going to jeer Bryan and get really behind Uno. What an absolutely... Unbelievably well-booked company this is, and what an insanely talented guy Daniel Bryan is, Brian Danielson is, and the fact that they are together remains totally thrilling. The nicest thing I can say about this match is that I got greedy and thought, that's a bit abrupt, but only because I was really enjoying it and thought they could do genuinely something well above four-star tier if afforded time. But that's not the story here at all. The story is you want to give something to Uno, and his Hamflip very eloquently points out, they did and he did himself. Yeah. I thought everything was balanced and paced wonderfully to get the best out of, to tell the best possible version of the story. Evil Uno is someone who deserves your respect going forward. Subsequent to this, Brian Danielson is just an absolutely incredible form. Um, The fire-up spots were great. Danielson's total and utter vicious cruelty was great. And he sharpened his face to like a triangular point after the knee. And he put his finger out,
0: waggled his finger at the crowd. I forgot yeah. to mention that. Just like that's one of them. That'd be like gifable. Mm. Like he
2: kind of went,
1: no, 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 no. Like <laughs> that, I've had
2: enough of this. Uh, I just It's just absolutely incredible. Um, second by second, a little micro masterpiece for the story they were trying to tell and the t- in the time they tried to tell it. I was low-key getting a little bit bored of. One of the major AEW storytelling drivers. Wrestler fights associate of main rival. Yeah, we've said
1: this a while, yeah. And
2: associates, plural, of rival before getting to the main match. I'd much rather have it that way than any other way. But when you see it so often, it gets a little bit obligatory. Tying Danielson's work ethic shtick from the promo into this new sequence of stuff, giving us yet more Danielson matches, is a
1: perfect... Version of the device. Uh, sensational uh, backstage promo from immediately after the match, presumably at full gear between MJF and Darby Allen came next. MJF comes in, he's taking the tape off, and he's got Darby Allen's face paint effectively smeared all over him, and he apologises, but he says, "That's not what I'm wearing right now. I'm wearing Darby Shame." All he keeps hearing is everyone's name, or every name but his own. Uh, but guess what? Yet again, he made us all look like idiots. They all said that, oh, he's only good talking on the stick. Well, screw that. Screw you. He says, I don't know what's going on with my knee. He points to it. Obviously, it was uh, injured during the match. But he don't. He does know what's going on in his head. He proved us wrong, uh, and he loved all their little Mark chants. Uh, he says, look, you can hate my guts, but you've got no choice to admit how good I really am. I just beat Derby with a headlock takeover. Uh, and he says, he's excited to go to Norfolk. Uh, who knows what's next on the horizon for one of the best in the world? He's doing the belt gesticulation as he's saying that. Uh, he says, for the man with the best right hand. His name is MJF. He's better than you, and you have no choice but to admit it.
2: cannon time. I think this is the first time that a wrestler has cut a post-match promo immediately following what they've done at the pay-per-view, and they've just put it on Dynamite because it was so great. In my head, I'm thinking... As MGF, the second he walked through the curtain, said, nip my babyface reactions in the bud mm. because that is not on, it's not
0: his fault. Was it a misread of agent in the knee cell, do you think? That like they didn't imagine that he would kind of get over as a babyface by selling his knee. No, he was
2: getting, getting the, chance, part of the, match, the chance before that. He was getting. Mm. The, they were going 50-50, like within minutes. Like within minutes. He sold it so well. <laughs> he was awesome like. at it. He was absolutely awesome at it. I think he's obviously done that to try and... Create drama first mm. and foremost, but to like put over Darby Allen as someone who, you know, whatever. I think he's gone through that gorilla and went, I cannot have them popping for me. <laughs> that is not right for my character. I will ensure they don't do this <laughs> if you put a camera in front of my face right now. Even if that didn't happen. Just it's strange. They've never done this before, so I was very interested as to why they did it. Maybe they should do more of this. If you get a guy who's just still pumped full of adrenaline, have him walk through the curtains. We see it in New Japan Pro Wrestling all the live long goddamn day, that's a great time to mm. cut a promo when you're full of adrenaline, you've just gone out there and stolen the show or tore the roof off, you're full of absolute beans, piss, vinegar, fire, whatever. More of that, please, because this was incredible.
0: Yeah, I um, I want to put over that, the concept of that as much as, you know, Cedric's kind of covered the promo there. Um, This and Take Conti later on this Dynamite, and I think there's one more, I can't remember which one it was. I just really like that because it's, um it's real sports feel which is helpful Mm. it's um look I wasn't the biggest fan of full gear as a show but if you've not bought the pay-per-view you see these you see the ramifications of what you've missed and I know I've watched enough wrestling to know that get that FOMO when I feel like I have missed out so anyone that hasn't bought it are going to look at this and be like oh things matter the things on these quarterly Saturdays actually matter because we're getting the aftershock of it on dynamite um it's Great. It's if, if if this is the first time this has happened and one of the reasons is because the rampage is here. Cool. That third that third hour is finally helping. Because this really does put over the importance of the things that happen on these pay per views, winners or losers, and it gives the character that first and again this could have been an improvised thing or whatever, but it, it gives the character the first next step at the at the perfect point as as you say, full of adrenaline. Um just at the point where they're probably as locked into their character as they can possibly be, and I say that more about the Conti one, I think, because she's come off a defeat, and we, the smart asses, kind of know that's her for ages now. She's not getting anywhere near that title, but instead, you're listening to somebody saying, "I know I can. I just know where I went wrong, and I'll see you again soon." Like it's believable. It's mm. totally believable. It's the like the complete opposite of those post pay view roars where they just run the match back, or the old John Cena no sell, or whatever it is. I, I love it. I, like, I love it as a device. And I know that typically, I was talking with Murray about this this morning because it was something that really stuck out to me as well on the show. He said, like, typically it's this sort of stuff where they lose the numbers a little bit. And I'm of the opinion where, like, I think it makes for a better show and a better yeah. overall experience. So take that miniature hit because I think long-term you'll see the benefits.
1: Uh, another brilliant backstage promo came after that, but for very different reasons. Uh, Tony Giovanni's there with uh, with Eddie Kingston, <clears throat> who uh, re watch this back and realised... Immediately, he's like, get to the point, Tony. Get to the question, because we all know how these things play out. Uh, and he's he's asked about, you know, the fallout from from Full Gear. But well, before he can basically... Full Gear, fallout. <laughs> before he can say anything, uh, he's interrupted by Daniel Garcia in 2.0. Uh, and wrote this down verbatim. Sad boy, Eddie Kingston. Are you complaining again, you little prick? <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Um, they said uh, best. What, what are you moaning about now? Is it because you didn't last as long against Punk as our as our son Daniel Garcia did? Make match lengths canon.
2: <laughs> this sporting vibe of you know yeah. com- competition and the ah, uh,
1: yeah, more of this. Uh, Kingston isn't happy with with all that uh, with two One of whom he calls blockhead. <laughs> okay, I'm not happy about that, but still, uh, and he said. You are all right with these two grown men calling you their son? That's not all right. I'm not happy with this. And he he squares up and they'd be butts heads with Daniel Gossier. Effectively, uh, a match, uh, a fight is suggested. It's going to happen further down the line. Uh, And uh, he shoves Daniel Garcia and you hear 2.0 as they're taking their son away, go, you want a taste? (laughs) Loved it. Um, And Kingston goes, I'm off to catering and says, why can we never have a backstage promo without being interrupted, Michael Hamlet?
0: It's a chain now. And they can't keep getting away with it, but they have picked the best people to include in the chain. A few weeks ago, CM Punk on commentary says, God, it's safer out here than it is in that backstage area. And then CM Punk gets interviewed by uh, gets interrupted by Eddie Kingston. They have a match, and then Eddie Kingston is about to go to promo, and he gets interviewed, uh, interrupted by Daniel Garcia, and they're due to have a match. We will see now if Daniel Garcia, off the back of it, is trying to rebuild himself with a promo, and then he gets interrupted by the person next. They cannot keep doing this. However, they've put it in the hands of the people that can get it over and can make it part of the fun. I almost think if it's going to be this silly and if it's going to feature as part of a accepted reality of the backstage area, um, you maybe want to lift Tony Schiavone out um, and put Alex Marvez back in because part of the, I think as you pointed out, Sidgwick, it's when it was Kingston and Punk, that was a serious interruption because you don't interrupt and knock Tony Schiavone's mic out of his hand. But otherwise, the daft... Benny Hill corridors of the AW arenas, they suit Alex Marber's, I'm just trying to do my job. And I, bit like, I think it does become, it will become comedic to a fault, but I'm enjoying it because it's in the right hands presently and this was a blast.
1: And they sort of made up for the fact that they did it again later on with Darby Atlan.
2: Yes, it's getting too much and it's, it's the invisible camera stuff from earlier this year. Mm, it's yeah. not enough for them, for me at least, it's not enough for them to go, oh yeah, 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 it's a, pretty transparent plot device that's a little bit lame if you think about it too much but guys we know that as well that'd be better don't acknowledge that it's not great make it great that's so much more appealing to me because it's worse when the this should be held to a standard concordium pack coexist yeah it's like come on like don't do the rubbish things that you know are rubbish it's these are very simple things this i'm sorry right i'm gonna be the low guy to a degree a little prick line, <laughs> so well delivered. These little abrasive dickheads are so funny. It's that's too good a line. They probably should have realized if you're calling Eddie Kingston, who I would like to receive, not as this mid-carter who occasionally levels up because he's so great, like a genuine, like proper big guy. Someone's calling Eddie Kingston with the character that he has a little prick to his face. He should be just raining down blows upon them, exactly. (laughs) So that line was, I will criticise it because it was simply too good.
1: (laughs) Do you think, was it Jeff? I think it was Jeff who said it. And the only reason I I think maybe he gets away with it is the fact he's got Matt in front of him, big lad, of course, and Garcia. He's sort of leaning over both their shoulders. So in theory, he could go, you little prick, and then sort of lean back if he tries to take a swing. Was
0: it Matt that went, sad boy, and (laughs) he The best. Oh man, I cannot wait for um, them to uh, meet back up with uh, Kevin Steen. <laughs> yes, get the, get the lads back together. Man. I've
2: missed 2.0. Like. Yeah. like yeah.
0: Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Right, uh, that was followed by the Butcher and the Blade versus uh, one of the newest members of Chaos, Orange Cassidy, and, can't believe I'm saying this, Tomohiro Ishii. (laughs) Here he is. um, And, uh, well, yeah, it immediately starts off. It looks like it's going to be Andy Murray's dream match, uh, the Butcher and Ishii. But the Butcher immediately goes, now you're all (laughs) right, immediately tags out. Blade comes in. uh, Blade sort of forearms Ishii, he tries not only, you know, just punching him as hard as he can, but taking a running start, coming off the ropes with it, uh, and believes he's doing some damage until he turns around and Ishii basically drops him with one shot. Uh, he tags Orange Cassidy in. Orange Cassidy does the uh, the the kicks, the hands in the pocket stuff, uh, and uh, he, he's, he's very proud of himself. He's even popping his sunglasses on, but he doesn't see that the butcher has blind-tagged himself in and just just nails him with a tackle uh, to take control. Um, As we come back from the break, Ishii takes out Blade, uh, hits him with a shoulder tackle, chops him, backdrop suplexes him, um, gets gets a two count off the back of that. Butcher comes in, they, they go back and forth. Butcher's chopping him in the corner and thinking, doing pretty well for myself here. And then Ishii just looks at him. There's this. It's 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 hard to describe. Obviously, on a podcast, if you haven't seen, go and look at it. Just for the fact he just looks and then goes, "Go on, then more chops." <laughs> Leans into them uh, and then yeah, uh, comes back against Butcher, puts him on the top rope. Huge superplex off the back of it. Um, the HFO, uh, uh, or should I say specifically Matt Hardy and the Bunny, uh, are ringside. He distracts Orange Cassidy. That allows Butcher and Blade to hit their combo suplex. Uh, on him, but Ishii dives in to to save his teammate to break up the pinfall. He just drags the lifeless corpse of Orange Cassidy over, tags himself in, um, and it looks like uh, they're going to use shenanigans to to win the match yet again. Hardy and, and Bunny are there distracting him. Blade's behind him with the uh, brass knocks, but in comes uh, Rocky Romero to pull him out of the ring. Um, Orange hits a huge dive onto to all of them and then Ishii just nails Blade with a with a lariat and the uh, sort of delayed vertical brain buster for the victory, and he there's a nice bit where Orange Cassidy sort of slumped over. Uh, st- he stood up, but he slumped over, and Ishii raises him up to celebrate the victory for chaos, Sige.
2: It's just joy, just professional wrestling joy. I got enough out of it that I expected, dot, 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 <coughs> just if I'm being a little bit harsh mm-hmm. on, like, a really fun... Ultimately, this was just undercard televised fun that did, in fact, like, act as a chain in the sequence of something else. So It wasn't just a stupid indie-rific thing. It was like the joy you get from seeing those old pre-pandemic spring break match graphics, except it's a bit better than those matches are when you get past the... (laughs) Match graphic, <laughs> you look ah the match graphic, and then you do you want to watch the match? <laughs> how much do you really want to watch the match? Like they've visual punchlines essentially. Yeah. This was that in Tomohiro Ishii coming out in the Pixies,
1: like the odd couple tag team actually worked for me here.
2: Like if they want to do anything else to cover all of my tastes, it would be like wrestling, that type of music, and maybe do like the um, David Lynch. Strobe effect <laughs> for his entrance, and you've got basically everything I've ever liked. Um, so that was great. The match itself was more fun than it was very good. Tiny little bit of drama at the end, like it was really well constructed. And just the various juxtapositions of Ishii oh, and Cassidy, and um, they knew exactly who to pair them with. And it all makes sense in this storyline that isn't that great, but I appreciate the endeavor. Like they've got Ishii, can we get him? He's over here. Yeah of them what do we do and it's all very well thought out like it's so much more well crafted than just a three-star bit of fun has any right to be
0: i, d- I feel like i'm the low guy on <coughs> this I, I i and i do feel like a misery for it as well i didn't have a lot of fun with this and i it felt a little um it felt a little underthought to me i i cannot work out what I'm supposed to get out of Orange Cassidy at this point. And if I'm not getting a like a real popper of a moment, and I, the one that springs to mind from most recent times would have been a bit with Sting. That Just this like, wonderful juxtaposition of what AEW can exist to be, which is this respectful and thoughtful treatment of legends versus the stars of today that simply wouldn't have existed in WWE when it was a monopoly. I... I it creates those moments, and that's why everybody gets. That's why everybody fizzes with excitement for I didn't really fizz throughout any of this. It was a, like it was a perfectly well worked match, and I have zero complaints about it. But I thought this would be more fun than it was. Um, we talked on the preview yesterday about the importance of understanding the. You get very excited about the graphic get as excited as you like about fantasy booking, I'm as guilty as that as anybody, but understand the reality of the politics around the forbidden door. There's a reason why it's forbidden. And there's a reason why it's going to, like, you're never going to get the uh, revolving door as much as you wish it could. You can't just beat guys. You can't just send somebody there and just have it booked however you would like. It's all very delicate. And there were worse ways to use Tommy Hiroshi, absolutely. And people will have very fond memories of it. I would say, if in terms of the comparison at the Sting moment, the closest you will get realistically in six months will be remember when they brought him out to Pixies nothing that actually happened yeah. in the match and maybe I'm being critical and that's enough you know maybe that is enough the live crowd showed him tremendous reverence and respect so you had a building that loved him and it, they didn't need any kind of exposition dump on who he was and what he didn't have to give him the first five minutes to show have him do all his best bits so the crowd actually understood what they were dealing with so that was quite nice I don't think it was patronising I just didn't get much out of it I, like I don't know like I, I, nine minutes did you say
1: Something like that, I think, yeah. I,
0: it felt a bit longer. I thought, like, ah, they they probably should have got to whatever point they're making and I never really felt like they did. I think a little bit of it, Come, I still don't think they know what they've got with Orange Cassidy and they can't decide. It's like, I'll get off the pot when it comes to him. If, if you really believe in this act, start pushing him like that or reduce him completely. And I don't think, maybe it's because he's such a unique figure and he's obviously so popular, but... It's, it's really hard to transfer them to the main event, and I just, I don't know. It's, I, I think that's a little bit of a me
2: thing as well, subjectively, but it, it didn't quite click for me, this. One more thing before we move on. Like, Ishii, if you define, or I define personally, crowd psychology, which is different to ring psychology, crowd psychology is the ability to emotionally manipulate the audience, and if you're successful at it, they're really loud. Tomohiro Ishii is potentially one of the best all-time wrestling crowd psychologists because during the pandemic era in new japan they are very observant of the fact that new japan at present and for the last two years jesus christ almost at this point just says you can clap don't make any noise because that will potentially accelerate the spread Mm -hmm. so just please remain masked and clap when ishii is doing his best ishii stuff like they involuntarily gasp and (laughs) shriek even though they are otherwise observant, because he's so great that he can get that out of an audience, even when that audience is very, you know, prepared not to do it. Only does one moment in this match where that really gets the true genius of Ishii, and it's when he's getting chopped in the corner, and, like, like, he moves forward millimeter by millimeter, his eyes just sort of focus, and you get the impending sense of, oh, don't do that. (laughs) He will kill you if you do that. And I just thought his body language and his psychology and his facial expressions. I have got a, enough of a glimpse of the great Ishii.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, let's see what happened next. Backstage, it was Andrade El Idolo and FTR there backstage. Um, Andrade says well. that he proved he's a better wrestler <laughs> than Pac and Cody. Uh, and uh, Cash Weekly is frustrated. He says that he and Dax were robbed. They talk about who the legal man was. You may have heard the story as to why that had to happen because of uh, Dax's possible KO. We obviously wish him well in his recovery, if that's the case. Anyway, they suggested bringing in Malachi Black, making an eight-man tag. Um, But the big takeaway here was Tully saying to Arn Anderson, I've still got one more of me. (laughs) What? He's still got a lot left in the tank. That's how Tully. I like
0: when Tully Blanchard books his own matches when he hasn't been told to. This is not the first time that he's lined himself up for payday at the (laughs) pay. He's going (laughs) to the pay window whether they want him to or not. Ah,
2: man. Um, This all kind of sucks.
0: Like what you like. like The
1: juice is all out of this fruit
0: for me. Like what you like. And if these guys are your guys, that's okay. In my mind, like, boiling this down, you've taken two quite clunky tag matches from the weekend. You thought, I don't want to fix this. Put them together, <laughs> and it will be better. This one eight man will almost certainly be better yeah. than those two tag matches. Um, these characters. EW is so brilliant, because from one segment to another, Dynamite is especially where you see this. Um, you almost forget what you're excited about. So you've tuned in for two hours, and you've remembered some of the key things, and then you get them early on, and then somebody's music hits, and you're like,
1: oh, yeah, it's mm. this bit.
0: Like it, That happens all the time on Dynamite. It's such a thrilling experience. And then every now and then, because you get so much of that, there are characters that give you the opposite feeling. And you can't always control who that is, and we always pick on Matt Hardy, but it's, it's always somebody, and it's because the rest of it is so fantastic. These four rock up. Oh, Jesus, this again. And they hadn't even announced that it was going to be this eight man that has a lot of, you know, there's something to get excited about, but it's a bit all over the shop. But just the sight of them, I was like, no, please, like, go away for a week, think of something else, something to do, but no, we're going back with this. And to tie it in a little bit to... Malachi Black's like, I'm gonna make you breathe toxic fumes. It's like we haven't done because you've gone 50-50 with him, and like Death Triangle are saying, yeah, we're ready for your eight man because uh, we're the best four-man unit in the universe. And it's like, well, two of them couldn't get on at full gear. They've, they've got to have said that knowingly. This has got to spin off to Pack
1: and Cody. I'm, I'm assuming it's going to do that. And I've got knee any idea anymore. I just, it, I like, just saw this and thought, cool. Ten people. This, this is the. Tully the seven Arne. men in the match: Tully, Arn, and Jose. <laughs> We'll get cheered next week, and Cody's gonna get put <laughs> out of the building off in Thanksgiving. Make he, it should go- give, he, should, and he should come out and say, "Guys, you want to give thanks to me? I'm, I'm more than ready to accept it. Just, just to bait them a little bit more. Make
2: it good, Cedric. I can't. Um, this Cody stuff." Which is the worst possible thing to put next to the Lucha Brothers is not great tag team reign. I think they're trying to like make two wrongs into a right <laughs> and it's not working. Um, it just brings into focus the respective failures of the things that are trying to get mashed awkwardly together. I don't know what the stakes are. I don't believe in the connections, not least of which because they told me on Saturday. Oh, Cody and Pac don't get oh, what's going
1: on, man. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: I know I that, yeah. is that the match surely will be great. I shouldn't be doing that particular... Surely, I shouldn't be doing that inflection at all when you look at the eight people involved, but it's a confusing mess. I don't know who I'm meant to like, who I'm meant to root for, why specifically they hate each other. They did a better job on a amateur YouTube show at building a rivalry between Cody and FTR than they've done on national television with two years of experience and massive critical acclaim. I don't get it. I'm the Cody guy. I'm slowly losing, rapidly, in fact, not slowly, rapidly losing patience in whatever this is he's doing. I think it's bringing down everyone around him. It's the antithetical uh-huh. version of what he was doing in 2020 with the TNT title. It's the opposite of that. Is this a stew? That, you don't really cook, here? Not well. Do you cook? I try. I'm sure the listeners are less useless than you <laughs> When the listeners... I'm making a stew, right? i watched the rest of development and I know what you can make a stew out of. Right, sure. So you chop up your veg. Mm-hmm. Get you that in p- a stew. You brown your meat. You add your stock. You put your aromatics in there. You having a bit of that? God, I'm such an old
0: misogynist pig because is that how my wife makes such a nice stew for
2: us? <laughs> and, you know, you <laughs> put in, like, beer and, like, flour and a thing, whatever. You do all this, like, a medium flame, high flame, and then you put it on a low simmer right? Tiniest flame you've got. You want to break down the proteins in the meat. The longer you cook it, the more tender it becomes. You look at it and you think, how's that going to end up nice? It looks like shit. (laughs) (laughs) You just see some water, some vegetables flopping about, some meat where you think, that looks so chewy and (laughs) pale. (laughs) You get this like skin and bubbles. It just looks awful. And then at the end, you're like, this happens every freaking time.
1: Why am I surprised? At the end, are you uh, like, uh, hey,
2: hey, 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 you are right. <laughs> That's what I say to my stew.
1: <laughs> this is a stew.
2: This storyline is a stew. I've got Dax Harwood popping out the pan. <laughs> I've got Cody on the top. And, uh, giving you criticism for that. <laughs> <little> more old-fashioned <laughs> stew that we used to like. Yeah, and I'm thinking, this looks disgusting. Is it going to end up good? Shortly after, on Dynamite, three wrestlers came out. For I'm going to get someone on Twitter, by the way, well-meaning, saying, you know, you should be your garlic and onions in at the start. I know that,
1: man.
2: <laughs> I'm not doing a recipe here. I'm just talking on a podcast. Like, we will get past this. Actually, you I- should see the beef first and then take it out. Yes, I know, man. I'm just
1: talking.
0: So <laughs> I love that you couldn't let that go without a mention. Of that. It's like, I've got to cover this because there's little bits will come in. Um, we love showering the show with prayers, so I think it's okay to spend some time being critical of the things that aren't working. Later on in this dynamite, three men come out, and kick off what is an absolutely white hot segment. It's absolutely awesome. Was this the week that the Pinnacle were formally canned? Because FTR are dogging it in this absolute sludge. Um, Sean Spears and Wardlow have got this awesome added detail. It's a wrinkle to the MJF Wardlow story. Wardlow, Sean Spears, one day is going to be great. Yeah, exactly. Like as, as part of this build, um, is the Pinnacle quietly finished? <laughs> Because like Andrade and MGF share the pinnacle, they've got two each. That's rubbish too. Like, (laughs) like, that's it. So like, MGF just very cleverly pied off the bit he didn't like. He's
1: like, Tully's got that old man stink, (laughs) and he just gives him Andrade with FTR. Uh, This is all followed by uh, that's the full gear. (laughs) (laughs) Tay Conti Uh, she cut a promo saying she didn't fail on Saturday. She just learned. Next time she gets a title shot, she'll become champion. You liked this, didn't you?
0: Yeah, I liked. um, she was good in this, um, and I liked more what it represented than, mm. like, anything about us having to believe right now that it's, like, take on, it's going to get another turn for a while. I just think it's, especially because the women need it more than they get, it's paying attention to the
1: little details. Uh, and then we got Britt Baker uh, with Jamie Hater and uh, uh, Reba Rebel um, getting interviewed. She said, uh, you might as well just direct the conversation to the new, or the inaugural, soon-to-be TBS champion Jamie Hater." Uh, and uh, goes to talk about uh, it. goes to talk about Thunder Rose. because uh, Don't give her any attention. She's she's less than nothing, effectively. And we all know Jamie Haight is going to win in the end. She's not, is she? No. 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 Yeah. Uh, but this was all centered around uh, the quarterfinal for the TBS Championship tournament. It was Hikaru Shida versus Nyla Rose. Hikaru Shida. They a heavily bandaged leg, which, yeah, Nyla Rose targeted from minute one, uh, effectively, or specifically the knee, I should say. Um, any slight flurries or offence were, were rapidly cut off by Nyla Rose. Uh, and just in case you were thinking that she might get a bit of an opportunity when... You know, she can recover. Vicky Guerrero chokes Koroshida, with a kendo stick when the referee isn't looking. But she eventually made a bit of a comeback. She, she uh, sent Rose into the barricade. She did the uh, set for her... Uh, um, move involving the chair, but then Rose just turned around, Larry goes to a cannonball, sent on off the apron into her, but Shida moves out of the way and Rose crashes into the chair and you think, maybe Shida's got a bit of a chance here Uh, she even takes Vicky Guerrero out of it, catching a kendo shot and twatting her back with it instead, Uh, but as she's fighting on the outside and maybe looking like there's a glimmer of hope there'd be another one to come, who should come in but Michael Hamflit's favourite, Serena Deeb Needlessly just comes in and just takes out Sheeda's knee. Rose uh, puts her on the... uh, Balances her over the top rope and hits that diving knee uh, off the turnbuckles. Uh, Looks like the match is won, but... Hikaru Shida is made of sterner stuff. She kicks out, and as uh, Nyla Rose goes for the beast bomb, Shida reverses it and puts it in a triangle. And I thought it was fantastic selling from Nyla Rose here. Just suddenly, oh, bollocks, scrabbling around, trying to find uh, the, the, the ropes, and Shida countering that, knowing this might be her only, only opportunity. Nyla Rose eventually getting out of it, though, powering out of it, hitting her with a power bomb. Uh, and it looks like, well, that's that dealt with. Let's go to the finish. Rose goes for a uh, top rope sent on. Sheeta rolls out of the way and cradles her. And I thought, I thought that was it. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So she's fighting Ruby Soho. No, uh, Rose kicks out at two, catches the kick, and just. Contorts this knee that you know has been tortured, not just through this match, but from what Serena Deeb's done previously, and the fact they had a bloody match on pay-per-view as well on Saturday. Uh, A standing stretch muffler, and uh, Shida has no choice but to writhe around in agony and immediately submit. Uh, The right result, and I thought, uh, I really enjoyed the story, from despite the fact we all kind of knew going into it what it was going to be.
2: Absolutely. Go to Hampshire first, because we are Marks, who discussed this way before the podcast, and he Got the best turn of phrase to describe Serena Deeb's attack. I worry that I've already forgotten that. But the snap
0: in this chop block was so fantastic. She took a better bump. It wasn't so
2: fantastic. It was. Something about like like she trying to steal something from her or something like that. I've, I'm, I'm I can't remember my, it either. i ruined your moment, I'm sorry.
0: She, <laughs> like, and the podcast. And <laughs> <laughs> the snap in this was utterly fantastic.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's in there.
0: analysis of the match now, as well, isn't it? The bump she took was better than any one you'd see on NXT 2.0, and it was off a move that she did to Hikaru Shida. Just incredible. Um, but the match was, in itself, kind of brilliant, too, wasn't it? We were looking yesterday for the better version of the Hikaru Shida and Nyla Rose match, and we got it. Um, superb chemistry together. Hikaru Shida just about sold the knee enough. Throughout, but then certainly did after the chop block. If she was trying to shake it off and pretend it wasn't there, we got it all in the second half of the match. Nyla Rose is very gradually becoming one of my favorites in AEW. She had absolutely fantastic patter in the pre show at Full Gear and then did it again here. She worked Sheeda into a corner and then caught, like, spotted a camera and started cutting a promo on it. She was like, I'm going to beat this bitch this week. (laughs) It was like, really, like, it's, we talked about this before, like, she's Piss funny on Twitter. Yeah. And we're getting a little bit more of it on television. And I welcome that because wrestling's different now. And monsters need more than just to be monsters. And being funny is one of the great ways to do it. Not WWE funny. Actually funny. Just with an edge. thought Vicky was great. Um, Small doses, Vicky Guerrero, is kind of how... How they're getting Vicky over. Yeah. Awesome. it's, It's kind of how she did in the first place. And then, obviously, it became all too much. And I just thought they've underplayed her to such an extent that this went down really, really well with that live crowd. She'd only hit her once, I think, and yet it was
1: effective enough. Like They went absolutely nuts for it. She did Um, the comedy running away from the horror movie villain. Oh, no, I've fallen and I can't get up. (laughs) Oh, I tripped and fell. Like, uh, Yeah.
0: Um, I loved this. This was – and there was some pressure riding on this because I think we were looking for anything that we didn't particularly love about the first round of the TBS tournament kind of had to be addressed in this round from this point onwards. You needed match quality there to be there. You needed the booking to kind of look after everybody and you needed to feel like there was more than one thing happening in the division. All the boxes ticked. And
1: and shout out to to Mr. Phoenix, regular contributor, joins us often on on live streams as well for tagging us uh, on Instagram (laughs) with with that image of, uh, book, more than one women's match on TV sign.
0: That that was really visible
2: and like fair play.
1: great. (laughs) Like
2: That was a visible match. We discussed in the build how Hikaru Shida and Nyla Rose have had like sort of an uneven record in their two matches together. Now was this as eh, as the full gear twenty nineteen match twenty twenty match?
1: No, dear, that's wrong.
2: Or was it as good as the double not a do, double or nothing twenty twenty match? Yeah, <laughs> completely, <laughs> completely stumble of <laughs> my words in <laughs> my haste. Get, I get so giddy. to use the soundboard. <laughs> I got too giddy. I got too far too giddy. <laughs> I want to do the running first because the running was awesome. Yeah, and I want to say something specifically great about the running. How many times per show? Do you see someone running during or after a match and have a brawl? Like, I think it's 2.5, 2.8 average over the entire course of Dynamite's history. They come in and have a fight. Rarely do you think that person really, really wants to attack that person. (laughs) And that person's really good at sneak attacking that person. When Serena Deeb did that running, I'm thinking that's the best running I've ever seen in my goddamn it's all life. Mugging, it, it. It absolute mugging.
1: I can't remember exactly what happened on commentary, but in my mind, as I remember it now, they basically were like, Welcome back. And he, Kishah Hakari Sheen is back in. Oh, no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was incredible. Obviously, I've seen probably better in my life, but Recency Bias is good because it means he enjoyed something. And in this broken world, enjoy what you can get. The running was spectacular. This match was really good. Really, really, really good. They told... I love the simplicity. There's been a tendency in AEW's history of women's wrestling to kind of impose a layout, and they get lost in the beats, and they get lost in the in the various phases of the story. This was great. There were various moments. Like I bought the exact same near-fall as you did because they told such a story of, well, the she is injured... But she's still incredibly great at her craft. She's probably the superior wrestler in the fiction. And she's still got the potential to unseat this um, opponent of hers and overcome the advantage of the, the size differential and the fact that she's got an injured knee. Um, she stayed at the chair. I love Shivani marking out over the chair when she just completely almost broke it in half. What a sick bump that was. It was great. The finish is every bit as good as everyone says it is. I'm putting it over. This is the best women's segment I can remember in some time. Yeah, it feels like... Until, the and probably from Sheed... Uh, deep?
1: Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the... It feels like the tournament's finally sort of kicking into gear, aside from the... Yeah, like full we gear. Said, so full you gear, what, right?
0: The sign is worth highlighting. The point the sign was making is very worth making. On balance, I, I was worried that it's going to sound like, like breadcrumbs are uh, to be praised, and they're not. But if you look at this, and as I say, there was like a number of things to address, and they did it. And if you think... Ultimately, this match happened, and more matches need to happen as a result of this match. That's good booking for trying to widen the net with the women's division. Well, that happened in the Britt Baker promo, too, because Jamie Hayter versus Thunder Rosa was set up. But what that revealed to us was that, oh, they're finally getting to Britain and Thunder Rosa. They've wisely realized that nobody's really buying these B opponents, so to get to the A1. Get to the point! So you've got Jamie Hater versus Thunder Rosa to get there, because you're getting to Britt Baker versus <coughs> Thunder Rosa. Jamie Hayter will lose to Thunder Rosa, which is going to free up Rosa for Brit. Brit will be kind of pissed off with Jamie Hater losing. And we've known since the very beginning, because she doesn't do the DMD, that Jamie Hayter's not really as on board with Brit Baker as Rebel Not Reba. So th- all those spin-offs off a promo and all those off a match, things are not fixed, things are not fine. But I felt like they were trying to get somewhere this week, and
1: I quite like that. Yeah, and I think in the, if you it concludes includes Wednesday and next Wednesday, you've got a hell of a seven days of women's wrestling yeah. in AEW. You've got Jay Cargill, Red Velvet again. Uh, on Rampage this week, we'll talk about that, of course, in the Rampage preview tomorrow. And then next week, as you say, Thunder Rosa versus Jamie Hayter. Uh, right, next up. One more thing. Do, goddamn
2: damn, versus Serena Deep 3, not as the token women's match on that week's Dynamite or Rampage, do it in addition to another bit of representation for that division? Because
1: I'm as excited for that match as I am literally anything. Yeah, it's a main event. It's it, yeah. a TV main event on one of the shows, I think. Uh, right, time for Malachi Black to talk some sense. No, dear, that's wrong. <laughs> no, he's talking some bollocks. Uh, uh, he's talking about nightmares and stuff. They're going to haunt the faces in Chicago. <laughs> he's Going to make air toxic, corrupt your lungs. Go, Cody's He's going to lay on the ground, gasping for air. And they're going to talk about. They're going to realise, sorry, the small part they play in the massive story in front of them. Take deep breaths while oxygen is still on your side. I've, I've had enough of this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this thing about Rod Stewart during this. It's so rubbish. <laughs> like, <laughs> I honestly, to Young Turks on the way out. Commute home. Yeah. I like, I like Young Turks. I like them more
0: than I like this. <laughs> it's, it's, like, he's doing all this right as well. One of the reasons we used to rip the piss out of Bray Wyatt, which everything gets you in the end. I'm kind of starting to miss it. Right, But, like, missing that, not missing him. Missing I'll that. take Wyatt on Raw. Yeah, I, like, all of a sudden I've started thinking, could he win the Rumble? Because, like, <laughs> let's, let's watch that for a bit. But, like, one of the things we used to the piss out of with Bray Wyatt and something they never, ever betrayed in the fiction with The Undertaker for the first ten years of that character's life... Um. You can't talk like this when you've gone 50-50 with the guy you're talking about. You cannot. <laughs> it does not Biting work. Bad enough when
1: he said, like, Ooh, well, you may have won the match, but I've corrupted you. <laughs> and I was like, that's not the uh, objective. And, and is
0: it even 50-50 at this point? Because, yes, he won the second match, but it was with all that cheating and a roll-up. So, like, yeah, he missed it. You, uh, yeah. it, all the credibility is drained from this bollocks when you're not when it's not guiding you to victory. You are effectively, you're alluding to magic powers, and you ain't getting it done. It's staffed. Uh, Sorry, Cedric. Anything else saying this?
1: Oh, no. no. <laughs> We're going quite long today, so we'll just, just move, move on. Um, uh, it's MJF. He comes out with uh, uh, Wardlow and Sean Spears and gets a fairly negative reaction from someone who won Clean as a She on Saturday. Um, Sean Spears says uh, MJF, who, by the way, can defeat any of your heroes with a simple headlock takeover. Uh, would really appreciate absolute silence. And you can guess that sort of reaction that the crowd gave him after that sort of line. Anyway, MJF gets on the mic and says he wants to explain something to the bumpkins in the crowd. He checks all the boxes. He's easily the most complete pro wrestler on the planet. He's the past, the present, and the future. And if he wanted to, he could take their hometown horse and send him straight to the glue factory. He could take a cowboy shiz on his entire title reign, but... The rankings, they don't tell that story. Uh, they don't tell the truth. Even though people hate him, they know deep down he deserves to be the next AW world champion. I'm going to pause this very quickly. I believe it was Matt Rain's Apologies to whoever it was. Uh, if it wasn't Matt who tweeted this to us, someone who pointed out yesterday when we were talking about MJF being you know, a completely viable number one contender, it is going to be funny if he towards the end of this year he starts racking up wings and then they get wiped at the end of the year.
2: That was a bit overstated, I think. What's that? The wins and losses getting scrubbed, yeah, reset year on year. Like, I know they do, but didn't set anyone back to zero out like that, so... Well, they this all this sort of stuff about
0: MJF, I think this could play into it. Him complaining about not being given a shot is going to be in opposition with the fact that, as Excalibur says, he basically only works when he's contractually obligated to. So the argument will be... Wrestle some more matches and you'll get your shot. And he's like, That's not fair. I should be the number one contender. When all he wants to do is take the match against the jobber who he beat in a minute and a half. I quite like how eventually those two things will have to oppose, and he will, like, stubbornly, fine. I'll work. I'll work your stinking... Like, you made Jericho work five times just to fight him and yeah. he didn't want to wrestle once. Like, he's right.
1: Made Cody if, jump through all the hoops. If I
0: absolutely have to, fine. I will wrestle for the wrestling company. Jesus Christ. Like, I love that as a potential... Like, I'll jump through your stinking hoops sort of thing. Uh,
1: well, as he says, uh, no one in the locker room is as good as him or on his level CM Punk's music here. He comes out, the crowd lose their minds. Holy shiz, chance, etc. And Punk slowly walks his way to the ring. Never takes his eyes off MJF, and MJF doesn't panic. He just waits for everyone to calm down a little bit and extends his hand to CM Punk and says, "I'm Maxwell." And Punk looks at it, smirks, and then just turns around and walks away. Chuckling to himself as he walks down the steps and, and up the ramp, and uh, MJF looks absolutely furious. Sidge. I mean, this is absolutely awesome. I hope that MJF next week
2: brings up, thought he didn't like interrupted getting interrupted, and then punk, in
1: Chicago, let's not forget, yeah. yeah, and then
2: punk in response can say, Yeah, yeah, but a gesture of disrespect, and then like make it clear that's what he's exactly intending to do, otherwise, it's a bit of an oversight. From the very reason that the Kingston Punk Feud happened, just to make this cool moment. But the moment was so goddamn cool. It was a coming together of two people, everyone's fantasy book to come together, with one tiny facial expression driving the intrigue behind it, knowing full well that I think they wanted you to know from this face-to-face confrontation, the smirk, and how there's just one tiny but awesome thing. This is going all the way to revolution. They've got something incredible planned, and it's going to be amazing. And they trusted you to set your expectations sky high with a single facial expression, and I think that is brilliant. Please bring up the interruption thing, because if that's an oversight to have engineered something cool, don't do
1: that. I'm just so excited, and like... For next week's preview, I've got to be very strict with all of us because I feel like we can fantasy book about 20 different things MJF's going to say to CM Punk or the city of Chicago.
2: I suspect, sorry, that they are going to do the thing that I've just said. I just get so many idiots saying, hey, you're reaching, bro. bro. You're reaching, bro. So many yanks. Yeah. Reach for grass. <laughs> <laughs> when you reach for grass, you piece of reach trash. Reach for grass. <laughs> reach for a pet t- for grass. <laughs> you get some <laughs> bitches.
0: Eh? <laughs> ah, magic. Just a real magic moment. Um, I don't think I dreamt. I don't think I dreamt this. That beforehand, MJF just as a little gift did the I'm the best in this ring on that microphone. He did that, didn't yeah, he? That, that was that, yeah. that was there for you. Um, I think next week he's going to come out and like, oh uh, yeah. I saw Brian Danielson crush you, that guy's spirit worse than you did, like, in <laughs> Chicago after Danielson's battered Colt Cabana, and let that be the first one that we can all dive on because we're all oh, so excited yes. about Like We've all just been like clamoring to know more. What's going on? There like, like, was a Being the Elite thing where Hangman Page was celebrating when the title of the Dark Order wait, and You can see Cabana in there waiting. Like, and like, same point there. Like, sort of, like, staring over people's shoulders in the videos just in case they're even sharing the same bit of uh, film. This is, this is great. This yeah. is brilliant, and they can take as long as they want because aye, Revolution's like, what, February? Yeah, um,
1: Careful, lads. He might break out the MMA shorts again. We all know what happens when he does that.
0: It's so much to do. He looks
1: better than he has an AEW so far. So <laughs> yeah. Please do it.
0: So much to do with it. It's great. Uh,
1: right, Darby Allin's getting interviewed backstage. Uh, he says MGF didn't break him mentally, and they are going to have a rematch at some point. But he's not taking any time off. He wants to face the best and the baddest of AEW. And in comes... Gun Club, Billy Gunn (laughs) says, I'm the biggest and the baddest. Challenge accepted. Uh, And one of them, apologies, I can't remember which one, says, uh, don't forget your skateboard. And the other one just looks at him and goes, I like turtles. (laughs) Let's
2: save something for the preview,
1: yeah? Right. I like this.
0: I really like this. Not because I want Billy Gunn to win clean with the Famouser, but I really like this because (laughs) this is what I was referring to earlier on. It's a... the foot race at this point in between the, the four pillars, who's going to get to the AEW championship first? And because all the wins and losses matter, as we always say, Darby Allen is now lagging badly, badly behind two bruising losses one to another pillar, one to someone like CM Punk. And um, someone who now MJF, as a result, is thinking, I can take him and you couldn't. Darby Allen has kind of desperately grabbed for anything by saying, Well, I'm not going to take time off after a defeat. Who's that a dig at? Kenny Omega. So he's leaving something there for like another top guy when he's back in the mix. But he's gotta get down in the mud. He's got to beat Billy Gunn and he's got to beat three or four other Billy Guns. Mm. And I like he's gonna feel if you look at this episode and the events of full gear, like, yeah, I know Darby Allen like likes making <coughs> media studies films, and he kinda like a little an element of that is that he knows sells stuff, but this is him selling stuff. He's selling his failures, and you're gonna wanna see this form of redemption. I liked it. He's gonna beat Billy Gunn, like easy, of course he is.
1: Or or we're getting a three on three match, gun club versus Darby Allen, Sting, and their best mate. Well, <laughs> his oh <God>. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> go, on, go on,
0: Sid. Go for that trios, man. Six, that's, that's, a, that's a six, man. That's not a trios, man. That's, that's a six, that's, man. That is a six, man. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, right, this is where we had the uh, bit with the super click backstage. They talk about full gear. But one of the worst nights of their life. Uh, neither of the young books are even cleared anymore, but the super click will come back stronger than ever. And they announce on Rampage uh, they are going to face Jurassic Express with Adam Cole and one of his best friends, Bobby Fish. And Fish says, Bloody hell, one guy comes out looking like Tarzan, the other one's a grown man dressing like a dinosaur. We're going to put an end to that. And that is, You're not allowed to say that, Bobby. (laughs) And they tell Cutler to cut it right there. We talked about this earlier, but still great stuff. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Uh, Right, then it was the acclaimed versus Leo Rush and Dante Martin. Uh, Max Caster rapping about Dante Martin uh, needing to to put some bass in his voice and, uh, well, get some ass, basically. Uh, but before he can Get really, some bitches. Before they can... <laughs> well, actually, they did do the whole the acclaimed Ever arrived stuff. Uh, with, I've got, so got into this now. I say that along with him now. I love the, the Anthony Bowens yeah. addition to it all. But anyway, they do all that and immediately get taken out with dives to start off the match. Um and yeah, Leo Rush and Dante Martin are a hell of a team. Uh, showcased at the beginning, they are just double teaming uh, and quick tagging in and out to, uh, to 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 take out Anthony Bowens, and uh, they they're in in control until. Max Caster trips up Dante Martin, despite the fact he's not the legal man, and that allows the acclaimed to take over. When we come back, Leo Rush gets the hot tag. He takes out both members of the acclaimed. Uh, he gets a two count off the back of an axe kick. Um, but then as he goes for a frog splash, Bowens rolls out of the way. Dante misses that sp- double springboard moonsault thing that he does. And uh, Bowens looks like uh, he's, he's going to take control. He takes out uh, Leo Rush for some kicks. But as he's doing that, he turns around into a springboard do- drop kick. Um, of, from Dante Martin. They recover the acclaimed. They hit the mic drop into the acclaimed to fame on Leo Rush. But Dante Martin saves his partner, breaking up the pinfall. Then he hits his double springboard moonsault. Uh, Leo Rush hits the frog splash. One, two, three, post-match. Team Taz come out on the ramp. They congratulate the team. Uh, Taz offers his condolences to Leo Rush and his family. Uh, but he talks about offering... Um, This contract to Dante last week when Leo Rush wasn't there and Ricky Starks, god it was good to see him, he gets back on the mic and uh, says, look we we can be patient, it's nearly a year to the day I think since they signed powerhouse Hobbs to Team Taz and he says to him effectively the choice is uh, between Team Taz and and Leo Rush and that's a choice between a Hall of Fame career
2: and a mediocre one. This match, there was a sequence at the start of this goddamn match where it's, Leo Rush doing his dodging and his just incredible deception work. and then Danny Martin does it at the same time and it eventually arrives at the spot where Bones just falls flat on his face and gets kicked in the head. Uh, how did they knock out lost during this? <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> the scope for looking like Greenhorn idiots here was massive and yet they just boggled and blew my mind during this spot. This is possibly the best, second best acclaimed match ever. After the Young Bucks won, it was probably more impressive because you could see it was a Young Bucks match that they could have realistically inserted any two guys into and just elevated them. This is different. You've got Danny Martin and Leo Rush could be the next best tag team in the goddamn world. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah,
1: you sort of suggested up, oh, you know, they could eventually challenge for the tag titles. And I watched this and I thought maybe they should win the tag titles. They're,
2: they're incredible. This this match was so much fun so tight, it built to all the exhilarating spots that we got, like the the match last week was better realistically, it was more exhilarating, but look at the talent involved, and um, Bones and Castor, like, this match is great, it built beautifully, it was a really fun TV sprint, but the bench is incredible, you just need to learn to trust the process, if someone's not been involved in AW, and you're missing them for a couple of months, just be patient, look what's going to happen in three months, I was kind of over the acclaimed, and not merely as a result of that awful rap that um, Caster did that time. And yeah, they're great again. Mm. This company's amazing. Love this Anthony match Bones. Was amazing
1: for what it was. Love Anthony Bones. Really grown on me recently. I think there's something
0: quite special with him as a singles wrestler. I, I hope they're patient with. Like they're a great tag team, and Caster's got like an awesome charisma to him you could probably push Bones as a singles wrestler with Caster's as his mouthpiece and have just as much success as mm-hmm. you would keeping the acclaimed as a team eventually. Um, and that's not me advocating a split. No. Uh, the Team Taz stuff, uh, it, it's got a slight dark, dark elevation stench to it. However, um, it was like we were talking about yesterday, I'm glad it's there. Leo Rush and Dante Martin have gotten way more over organically because of the matches than I think AW would have expected. So they've put this storyline in as a way to have Leo Rush's loyalty to Dante Martin tested. It's going to be tested. It's going to pass the test. Dante Martin's going to think, cool, actually, he's my guy before the split. They've sort of done it with the matches, which I think is what's making the team to have stuff feel like extra fluff. It's not bad. I'm glad it's there. But the matches have been awesome enough. Uh,
1: this is where we got the worst line in Dynamite history. Um, Jurassic Express are backstage, um, and they're talking about what happened at Full Gear. And Christian says, you know, some people, the, the Superclicks sit there and say it's one of the worst nights of their life. It's one of the best nights my life, watching Jungle Boy cave your heads in with a chair, basically. That's all good. It was the line, never bring a fish <laughs> to a fist fight. Oh, I love this. That's
0: quite, <laughs> quite funny. You, that. you of all people didn't like this
1: on. <laughs> I, I think you're right. In, we were talking about this in the office earlier. And it was like a bit dad jokey. <laughs> yeah. We bring a fish to a fist fight. It's so quite like a,
2: not a reverence the word, quite like an abstract sense of humor as Christian Cage. Yeah. And I enjoyed this.
1: Um but Jungle
2: Boy's promo was very, very good as well. Yeah. People need to really remember how it was endearing that he couldn't cut one because look, it's just this explosive raw talent from the Indies. Of course he can't cut a promo. You freaking can now.
1: He says, Yeah, the change in his heart is here to stay. Uh talking about thumbtacks, he'll eat that shiz for breakfast. They're better now than they've ever been, and they're yeah they're ready for the fight as and when uh, it comes between the uh, the group of them. Uh, when does it come? It comes on Friday actually on Rampage. So join us for the Rampage preview for that. Then we got a great video package recapping the history between Jade Cargill and Red Velvet, which also goes down on Rampage. And the Lucha Bros are backstage uh, adding their thoughts into to the eight man. Uh, Penta Pena says, in the words of Alex Abrahantes, that FTR just couldn't get the job done. And Phoenix says, uh, Death Triangle and Cody Rhodes has got something special for them next week. They're the best four-man team in the universe. Not much to really add to what we said already with this. Nope. So instead, in the words of Mark Henry... But I'm saying we've gone quite long on this podcast. Let's speed things up. Skip, Skip. press that button for <laughs> twenty seconds. I'm going a Mark Henry introduction for the Skip. moment. Skip oh Wednesday, isn't it? Oh. TNT championship match, Sammy Guevara versus Jay lethal. Jay lethal's first match in a W Guevara, uh, has got taped up ribs. There's a little inset promo from lethal, uh, as he's making his way to the ring. We also see Tony Nice and his tiny knees, uh, are in the crowd. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I like Tony Nice. I'm talking about tiny knees. I don't know. It's, it's a, it's muscle memory at this point, I think. Um, it, it, early on, it was an it, explosive start to the match. They uh, they go for all their big moves, basically. Uh, Guevara has to counter a, a lethal injection from Jay Lethal. Uh, he tries to get him up, or does get him up, I suppose, for the GTH, but uh, Jay Lethal fights out of it, and they exchange cradles and then have a bit of a standoff. Uh, Lethal takes control. He hits the lethal combination, but Guevara sends him out to the floor and hits a huge dive. Um, As they come back, Guevara goes for a shooting star press, but Lethal gets his knees up and that takes us into the break. Um, uh, When we come back from the break, Guevara is still being checked on by officials, still still selling that uh, midsection of his. Um, But he fires back up, gets back into the ring and... uh, counters the lethal injection into a a Spanish fly. So, Lethal sends him to the outside, goes for a big dive, but Guevara stops it and lands a brain buster on the floor. Uh, He also hit a bicycle knee on the outside, and Lethal falls backwards onto a table. So, Guevara comes off the top, uh, jumps to the outside for a, a huge senton atomico, but Lethal moves out of the way, and Guevara crashes through the table, Uh, So, Lethal goes for the top rope elbow drop. Guevara counters it, cradles him for a near fall. Uh, Guevara then flips out of an attempted lariat. Lethal then hits him with the inverted suplex for a two count. Uh, Lethal finally gets the figure four. He's been going for it quite a while. Locked in the center of the ring. And Guevara, again, is scrabbling around trying to get to the ropes. Lethal's trying to counter it and scooch him back into the center of the ring. Eventually, Guevara does get to the ropes he uh, knees Lethal in the face, goes to the GTH, but again, midsection uh, injuries prevent him from doing so. Uh, but then Guevara hits multiple rising knees, hits the GTH, one, two, three, post-match inner circle come down to celebrate with Sammy Guevara and congratulate Jay Lethal on a jolly good match.
2: I resented how... Much of a tremendous piece of business this was. Like, I use piece of business, not just a match. Like, it's an entire presentation. Just what a bit of business this was. And this is how wrestling wins. By doing really cool stuff that blows you away in terms of really how thoughtful and explosive all of this was. Because Jay Lethal has been accused by multiple women of being a creepy sex pest. So, it sucks that he's getting such a platform. And it kind of... He's got the main event in his first match. He's got a match graphic that says he's won 20 titles in 19 years. He's got the big sweeping orchestral Macho Man theme. He's got the big pay-per-view full gear platform. And he loses an incredibly competitive and, let's face it, tremendous professional wrestling match to a pillar in Sammy Guevara. The match itself is tremendous. The thing they selected as the injury Guevara had to fight through, and they did that injury spot at full gear, was so complimentary to his arsenal, how he seemed to fail to execute it. Their respective arsenals were great in terms of how he um, Guevara counted the... What's his rubbish finishing move, Jay? I've always hated it before I knew... The allegations, how that feeds into the GTH, like what tremendous bit of business. All of this exists. This pomp and circumstance. Nice. Mm-hmm. Right? All this pomp and circumstance exists to put over a four-pillar. Is a Jesus Christ, he's a major star, he's a major champion, and he's a main event. They treat Jay Lethal, the optics of this pretty hideous. Almost even worse than simply signing him in the first place. They treat Jay Lethal here. As this kind of lost wrestling superstar who's finally made it to the home he should have been all along, national television. Look, Jay Lethal's here, main event. Listen to the music. TNT champion, twenty years, twenty titles. Odd, but incredibly effective. Listen to that crowd. Conflicted, yeah. I, I, was, I was annoyed by it. how good this was. Seriously, I wish
0: the discussion on the allegations was as transparent as their attempt to get Jay Lethal over. Quite honestly. Um, that remains the the biggest issue over all of this, and the way that we can talk about it legally and everything else is that you want to see due process. Mm. It, it won't make people feel like things are fixed and problems are solved, but it feels like the bare minimum that AW can do, and they're not going to do it. It, it. I would assume now at this point they could have right. had Skill for ages. What's the difference? Here? Then, aye, then they're not. No, I want to see him either. Jesus Christ! They're not going to do it, and they're going to rather cynically use you both said it, explosive wrestling with which to be the top on shoulder and look over there instead. I, I don't think it's a particularly great look to send the inner circle out there to do what they did for him at the end of the match either but like Chris Jericho's come in for all of this similar, you know, by association criticism in the past, in the last storyline he was involved in, you know, so like optics again is something that on various things Chris Jericho's apparently not that bothered about so it's not great. I don't feel good talking about this match that if it featured two different wrestlers would make me feel very good indeed. Um, so yeah, like a, a great night for Sammy Guevara and like a great night for Jay Lethal. But typically, like with any of these wrestlers, that means that it's not, it doesn't have to be a great night for us. That's, it's down to, you know, try not to tell people what they're supposed to enjoy and what on a, when it comes to these wrestlers that have been named. And this is across all the companies and all biases tossed aside. I just, I don't know. I don't know how you're supposed to receive this as anything other than kind of miserable. Mm. Um, like a bad look on wrestling, but a one that wrestling itself doesn't really seem to care about. uh, I, Like, the, AEW... I used to bang on, on about this all the time. This was like the... They trek Jay Lethal as if he was a glossier Eddie Kingston versus Cody Rhodes, bringing a guy in out from the cold and finding an avenue with which to justify him getting a job. And Christ almighty, Eddie Kingston and Jay Lethal. Do you know what I mean? They couldn't, mm. be, couldn't feel on more opposite sides of the spectrum, could they? And I just... I know I always used to whinge on about the fact that ultimately <laughs> there will be no such thing as the babyface brand because wrestling's not particularly babyface industry. What a moment it was when CM Punk came out and on behalf of everybody praised John Moxley for the bravery to confront his alcohol addiction. In complete contrast, however, wrestling would have dealt with that for the past 5,200 years. This is wrestling dealing with how wrestling has dealt with this for the past 5,200 years. So they've given with one hand and they've taken away with a much bigger one. And it's, it's such a shame. Mm.
1: Well, let us know your thoughts on AEW Dynamite on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch, so you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamlet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at...
2: M. Sidgwick.
1: And you can get your hands on Michael Sidgwick's brilliant new book, Becoming All Elite, at whatculture.bigcartel.com. Order it now in time for Christmas for friends, family. Or just for yourself when you want to get away from both of those things, uh, you can follow me on Twitter <laughs> at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What WWE and make sure you subscribe to What wherever you get your podcast from for daily wrestling podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow, of course, with the AW Rampage preview and the SmackDown preview and uh, <laughs> Wrestle Culture with the hashtag Bloody Good Quiz. But for now, this has been the AW Dynamite Review. My thanks to the Dadley Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon.
0: Planning for your next trip.